Scallywags, scoundrels, rogues, and rebels, Asylum Studios is pleased to present a show that will bend your mind, scramble your morals, and ruin your good taste. This is not a show to take home to your mother and definitely not one for the children. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Chaos and Disorder. That's right. Welcome into Chaos and Disorder. We are Flieger and Briggs, thankfully without Flieger. And the real talent can actually bring us into the show. And uh, sitting to my right is our fine producer, Alejandro Finkelstein, over in the control room. Thank you, Andy Frampton, for bringing us in. At Bronco Swanson on Facebook and TikTok, you can find us at Chaos in Disorder on the tweeter. And um, it is at Asylum at Asylum, here we go again, <laughs> at Chaos and Disorder Pod on Facebook. Is that correct? That sounds pretty close. Yeah, there you go. So uh, welcome in. And uh, hopefully Andy Frampton, uh, with any luck, will be in studio sometime next month. And, um, you know, we can only hope for the best with that one. And, uh, of course, thanks for at Real Rival Lovers on Twitter. The Real Rival Lovers bringing us in with that good music. You can find them on You Do It. Bandcamp. There we go. Bandcamp. And, of course, YouTube. And here's hoping he comes around and he gets on the show. We're going to peel back the curtain and say we're going to try and get some peoples on here. Yeah. We're we're working on some people here, so stick around and... um, you know, we'll hope for the best there. And as I mentioned earlier in the program, Mr. Flieger is down probably face first in the sand with a one of those little fiddler crabs picking something out of his <laughs> nose with that claw, and he's just eating sand and puke and vodka, and, and we're just happy for him. Yeah, living the good life. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. What more can you ask for? Yeah. And his wife just stepped on him. That's beautiful. (laughs) You know, there's a few things to talk about this week. Not a lot. There's a, some sort of a golf tournament this week. I've come to understand that. Yeah. I think it's called like the, the us open or something like that. It is, it is the us open, but we were not invited. No, no. So I not ch- us, us. Back in the day, I tried qualifying for that. Really? Never made it. No? No. Close? No. No. Mm. I mean, you know, you know, it's just amazing that um, when you, you kind of feel like you're pretty good at something, and then it's, it's kind of like certain college players you see that have all the swag and everything and then all of a sudden they're with that elite group of players called that NFL. Yeah. A lot of them aren't all that special. No. <laughs> That's kind of like what it is when you start grouping yourself with guys that are really it's amazing how good those tour players are. And they make it look so easy. Sure they do. Ah, if I could do that uh, 1% of what they do, I would be happy. Well, you do 1%. You swing it. (laughs) (laughs) On a good day. (laughs) But they're playing at Torrey Pines this year, which is, um, I think the last time it was at Torrey Pines, Tiger Woods won, I do believe. I believe you're correct. And I did see a little article somewhere along the line where Xander Schauffele could be the most complete U.S. Open player in the last four years. Oh, yeah? 
because he has made the top 10 in the last four U.S. Opens he's played in, which is pretty impressive. Sounds reasonable. Yes. He has not um, locked in a win yet, but, you know, as the article pointed out, and, and you tend to agree with it, a guy that can play, and with all due respect to the Masters, which I still think is the most fun to watch in, in the best tournament, it's still at the same place right. year after year. This changes around, kind of like the British Open, PGA, all that. Totally different characteristics and courses. You know, if you look at a Wingfoot or a Shinnecock or a Torrey Pines, whatever the case is, totally different length, conditions, areas of the country, et cetera. Yeah. So, I mean, that is very impressive in your top ten the last four years running in the U.S. Open. Yeah, yeah. And uh, right now he is – Plus seventeen hundred to win. Uh, number one is Rom at nine fifty. Okay, so really not that far. He's in the top four. Oddly enough, right? Yeah, oddly <laughs> enough, yeah. So there you go. But they, no, that makes a lot of sense. He's a very consistent player, and you know, with Rom being the favorite. You know, he had that six-shot lead in Memorial. I mean, mm -hmm. we already covered that. He got disqualified or withdrawn, whatever the case may be, because of the COVID situation. But I don't think he's allowed – in fact, I don't think he was allowed on the golf course till today, which is Tuesday as we speak. Yeah, I think it was today. So, I mean, I guess you still get a couple of practice rounds in. And, um, you know, we, we shall see. I, I'd never been one – to really go for the odds-on favorite because they usually never win. Right, I mean, you're basically right. taking one guy against the field. So it is, it's pretty much a, a crapshoot when you're betting on golf tournaments, quite frankly. Yeah. And how many start out this weekend? Mm, I'm not sure what it is, 163 or something of that nature, yeah, just, 144. I can't remember. It dwindled down Thursday, dwindled down Friday, dwindled down Saturday, you know. It, yeah. That, that's tough. Like, yeah, once like you're the cut's saying, made, like you'll find field. out if he even has a shot. Right. And then after Saturday, it's basically the story's told unless he, he's right in the top ten. Right. They're probably out of the game anyway. But right now, he's the he's, favorite, yeah. John Rom. Yep, number one right up there. You betcha. Did you uh, pay any attention to the Corn uh, Ferry Tour qualifiers? Well, honestly, the first time I saw it, I thought they were talking about a corn concert, a throwback to the alt metal right. band. Yes. Because from the sounds of it, it was a mosh pit. Yes. It was, um, and, and just to let you know how big the Corn Fairy Tour qualifier is, this story was first reported by the Fire Pit Collective. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's what Flicker calls one of those rag sites, or I'm not sure. He he only knows like the foreign ones, the Spanish right, right. ones, the yeah. Italian ones, and so forth. Bulgarian, the Bulgarians, but I don't think there's any rags in Bulgaria. No, I th I think they're all top notch. I mean, notch. they they hold chaos and disorder in high regard yes. over there. Huzzah! Still holding <laughs> second place, next only to the United States for the most listens for chaos and disorder. I like it. Our great friends in Bulgaria, keep it up, spread the word. However you do it over there. The Fire Pit Collective. 
first reported the incident at the Wichita Open Qualifier at Sand Creek Station Golf Course in Newton, Kansas. The two players reportedly involved were Austin Daly and Luke Smith, and the issue was over the latter, Luke Smith, allegedly failing to help the former, Austin Daly, find his errant shots and replace the pin. (laughs) Okay, now these two are really headed to the professional tour by the sounds of it here. The third member of the group, Derek Fribbs, helped Daly look for one of his errant shots, according to the blog. As the pace of play became an issue, Fribbs finished up his seventh hole and started on the eighth, while the two other competitors started out on the par three seventh. Well, I thought they were playing together. That's the way it read, yes. But, but not so much fin- now. <laughs> he just finished up seven and went to eight while they were teeing off seven. I don't get it. Maybe that's the slow play part. Well, whatever. Yeah. Daily, we'll let that one go. Yeah. Daly reportedly finished up the hole and mentioned something to Smith, who was being caddied by his father, Oliver. Oh, I didn't hear that part. About helping to look for his shots to speed up the pace of play. Both of the Smiths yelled back at Daly about his play and vowed to not go looking for Daly's bad shots, according to the site. Before the eighth hole started for the rest of the group, like apparently this Fribs character might have just been waiting on him on the eighth, I don't know. But before the eighth hole started for the rest of the group, Luke Smith allegedly ambushed Daly and started to punch him. Punch <laughs> with Smith's father, Oliver, allegedly blocking Fribs from breaking up the fight. <laughs> Smith, a 20-year-old golfer on the Tennessee Martin Golf College golf team, was arrested and disqualified from the tournament, according to the Kansas City Star. He was arrested on suspicion of misdemeanor battery for, quote, causing rude physical contact, unquote. <laughs> Don't come do a caveman draft. <laughs> yeah, really. The Corn Ferry Tour told Golf Week in a statement it was aware of the incident. Quoting, the Corn Ferry Tour is aware of the incident <laughs> that occur- occurred at today's qualifier in Newton, Kansas. The individuals involved are not current Corn Ferry Tour members. We are in the process of gathering more details and have no further comment at this time, the statement read. I can almost assure you that Mr. Smith will not be part of the Corn Ferry Tour. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Although it might uh, pump those uh, ratings. Well, they don't really get ratings. But... And I would almost venture to say that Mr. Daly won't be a member either. If he's complaining because they won't stop and look for his air shots like on every freaking hole. I mean, the guy's hacking it all over the place. Sounds like I could play in this group. Yeah, I think you could <laughs> probably beat on Mr. Daly or whatever his name is. Speaking of errant shots, going back to last week's uh, match, did you see the one Mark Hensby got a 10-stroke penalty for playing with the wrong ball? Wow, what did he do? Hit five shots with it? Actually, I think it was more. It it was like it was self-reported. He was he went up and told him he's like, "This isn't my ball." I think it was actually eight holes, and for whatever reason, they only gave him a ten ten shot penalty. But um, 
if I remember correctly, the way the story went is, you know, plucked it up out of the cup, looked at it, and there was a mark on it. And he goes, I, I don't have a mark on mine. Like, it was the same type of ball, but a notation on it. He went up to his caddy and was like, did you put this on here? He's like, no, no. So. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> But yeah, so he got this ten-stroke penalty. Um, not no, that, at that level of play, ten shots, you're done. Well, and the thing was, it wasn't like he was in the running or anything, right? But still, he he was he just like withdrew and was like, "eh, I'm I'm done." So he packed up his stuff and went back to Australia. And there you go. And that's the way you should do when you have a ten-shot penalty. Like. You're a professional cat. Like, I'm not blaming him as much as his caddy. Like, is the caddy's job not to, like, verify this kind of stuff? Watch where your ball goes. Say, it's right there. That's your ball. Right there. Actually, it could have been in deep rough. And then, consequently, basically, the player's the one that is supposed to identify okay. his ball if you're in deep rough. I mean, you've seen that many times in these tournaments. If it's in a bad lie, he'll get an official over to see if he can move a pine cone or whatever the yeah, case yeah. may be. And, you know, it's not necessarily the caddy's position to go over and, and start rooting around if it's, you know, not in a fairway or some of the, something like that. The other thing that makes me wonder is who did play his ball then? It I'm guessing it was probably what I was talking about somewhere in the rough that was kind of deep, and it was probably still sitting there somewhere. <laughs> some some groundskeeper's going to go by and find Chop it someday. It up with a rough mower. <laughs> hey, look at that! The ball that made history. <laughs> exactly. But now the U.S. Open should be kind of interesting. Torrey Pines is a good golf course. Uh, of course, a lot of eyes are on. Old man Mickelson, now that he's come off the PGA win, this will actually complete his career slam if he can knock down the U.S. Open this week. Mm. And probably his last realistic crack at it, in my mind. He's, what, 50, 51, something like that. Um, there's not going to be many opportunities for Mr. Mickelson after this year, I don't think it do close out the career slam with the U.S. Open because it doesn't get much easier the older you get. Trust me. He is fifty, and I cannot find him for his odds. So he's either way way down or. No, oh, he's Mickelson. He's even money. I'm sure. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At fifty years old. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, we're Tommy Fleetwood at plus eighty five hundred. Um, yeah, I'm, I do not see him coming up, but Hey, you want to sprinkle some money? We're already at 85 plus 85,000 and I'm not seeing him, but yeah, throw a buck on, see what happens. <laughs> and I see your boy, Bryson DeChambeau, DeChambeau. refused to play with Brooksy in the U S <laughs> open. Which I think is hilarious because he was the one that was pumping it up for that uh, player initiative thing. Yeah. Like, this is great for that, and, you know, we're going to be making money off this. Right. And I guess apparently they were talking about they were going to pair up right off the bat, which I don't know if I would do that. I would probably wait till there's some more viewers. 
it's a little bit more prime time for golf. I don't know. There can be many more viewers, quite frankly. I mean, it well, is the I mean, third major of the year. Who, how many, like, what are the ratings Thursday and Friday? I'm talking more oh, like Thursday and Friday. Yeah, but see, the thing is, they can't just pair people up on, on Saturday and Sunday. It's in relation to score. Okay. You know, your leader in second place or the last group, third and fourth and on down the line. They're paired that way. It's only helter-skelter on Thursday and Friday where they can say, okay, we stick these two guys together, we stick these two guys together, and so forth. Oh, yeah, maybe that would increase ratings for Thursday and Friday. But, yeah, I, I would have liked to have seen what that. What would happen, though, if it was like they were first and second going into Sunday? Like they have the to play whole, each other. Oh, that would be fantastic. Yeah, they have to play with each other. Side by side. Was hey, that, look, Palmer and Nicholas did it many times. These guys can do it. I was trying to think. When I, when I was watching golf in like high school i'm trying to remember it was was it phil and tiger like that they could not even look at each other or was it vj and most likely because that's basically the only competition tiger had david duvall for a couple of years like you said vj for a couple years but it was always mickelson and woods that was the they tried to make it like the, the a great rivalry but let's face it you know when 20 years ago, Phil Mickelson wasn't in half the shape he's in now at 50 and melted usually on the weekend yeah. as soon as Tiger poured it on. So, You know, and I was thinking about that this morning. Um, we, like growing up, I had – I was coming into Phil and Tiger. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel like the really – the great rivalries kind of – tailed off here like it's more wide open like anybody can win any weekend um like how many people have won more than one tournament this year i think two yep i think it was dechambeau and i think um oh god the old fella he's like 47 stewart sink i was gonna say phil mickelson (laughs) no stewart sink yeah yeah that's it like Right. I, I remember back then that it was either like Tiger won that weekend or Phil won. Right. Or VJ. Like, that was it. And and that was the thing. It, it, you know, and that would be – you had it then – how do I put it? That was your rivalry when you grew up. When I grew up, there were – it was so many – Johnny Miller might go on a tear and win three weeks in a row. And then maybe Hubert Green would do the same thing. And then – of course, the majors came. That's when the Watsons and the Trevinos and the Nicholases and so forth and the Floyds, they were always fighting it out for the, for the the major tournaments. And then, I don't know, it, it, was, um, it was strange. You just have not seen any super dominant multiple winners since Woods was in his prime. Right. It's, I, I look at that as a shocker, like, as much as I like the variety week to week of who's going to win this week, there's I kind of miss it a little bit with that dominance where you have back to back winners or back to back to back winning mm-hmm. players. But I think a lot of it, quite frankly, is it, you know, and it, it it makes 
you know, it makes it sound like we're putting a downer on the sport itself, but it tends to be that way in almost all the sports. I mean, we talk about baseball in a way and in football. These guys have so much money. Um, a guy wins whatever, Doral. He's already pocketed a, a, over a million dollars. Right, right. And, you know, if you want to take two or three weeks off and just chip and putt and work with your swing coach or something, fine. You're, you're, you can do that. Plus all the sponsorships that they have. Yeah. And, and appearance fees once you've, you've made it. I'm sure your Dustin Johnsons and, you know, your Mickelsons and all these guys, you know, Rory, they get their appearance fees anyway. Yeah, they, they the PGA Tour acts like they don't because of this. What was it called? The Premier League, yeah, or whatever it was over in Dubai or whatever it was. But these guys get paid to show up. Yeah, which the more I think about it, I kind of hope that that pans out. Like, give the PGA legit competition for it. You know, maybe steal somebody. Maybe steal DeChambeau. But the thing is. In order for it to work, you have to steal more than one or two yeah. guys because after the first year, if they don't pick up, if you know, if it's just okay, your boy DeChambeau and save whoever Rory did it, mm-hmm. and they went over there and won five times over these schmoes that they have over there playing against mini tour players, probably. You know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, I don't really feel okay, they're making a ton of money, but so what? Yeah, I'd rather true. watch whatever the Milwaukee open. I don't know who's going to win. I wonder if they could actually do it in the quote unquote off season of the PGA. Yeah, but there really isn't any anymore. Yeah. That's the problem. They used to go from January. Obviously they used to start out in the desert and then they would finish up. The PGA was in August and I believe the old World Series of golf at Firestone was like around Labor Day or something like that, and then just kind of tailed off. There one, remember they used to like fill television time with like the Skins game that they oh, recorded yeah. a couple of months before, <laughs> yeah. you know, and this kind of stuff. But now it's just like they just keep going on and on and on. I hated watching the Skins game, but playing Skins on Tiger Woods PGA ninety six or whatever it was when I started playing. Uh, Tiger Woods golf, loved it. Absolutely loved it. I like playing that game. We had I had it on a Wii, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I used to play that. I, you know, created some golfer. Yep. You know, got in the tour and all this kind of stuff. that. That was fun. It was it was really fun. But then I don't know the Wii broke, kid smashed it or something, and now we don't have it. So kids, yeah. But hey, let's switch to football because we're what about a month away from uh, the training camp starting. Yeah. Yep, and which is getting exciting. Very much so. The caveman draft's going to be up. Oh, and I tell you, I got my invitation to the Scott Fish Bowl. Oh, I I got something for that. Yay! <laughs> All right, got that. I am in the Bob Dylan division, and I pick sixth. All right. Wow, that's not bad. That's not bad. It's kind of random, you know. They said to pick preference and I just I didn't put in one. I figured it's more fair just to take a random pick. I, like I was it. the first pick last year and Barkley got hurt, so there you have it. 
I don't know what Fligger, what division he's in, so we'll have to check with him when he gets back from vacation next week. But anyway, I was going uh, listen, or, um, reading some stuff and, and thinking about coming into training camp. And, you know, especially you think about rookies and everything trying to make the team. But there are some significant quarterback battles. Yeah, heading into training camp for for some of these teams. Now, a couple of them only if the incumbent decides they don't want to play, um, i.e., and I'll take care of one of them, Aaron Rodgers. You know, if he doesn't show up, now we're talking about Jordan Love and Blake Bortles going at it. Uh, I'm pulling for Blake the Snake. Oh, (laughs) who wouldn't be? (laughs) And you know Fligger is. His favorite drunk in the whole world. Indubitably. Indubitably. And, of course, the Texans. If Deshaun Watson. He's not playing this year. I, I can't see that he is. I mean, he's still under investigation by the by the NFL, which is kind of strange because you would think it would be under investigation by think, somebody else, but apparently it's just the NFL. I think he actually is still under investigation with local authorities. It could be. It says he faces more than 20 civil lawsuits Mm -hmm. alleging the sexual assault or misconduct, and he reportedly also wants to be traded. I mean, why would you say something like that when your stock couldn't be any lower? The fact that before all this happened, he wanted to be traded. Right. And they probably could have got something for him. Right. Now this happens, and it's like, yeah, I'll give you a fifth rounder. We'll take a flyer on him, you know. But, I mean, other than that, what? How about you give me Deshaun Watson in a first, and I'll give you a seventh? Yeah, exactly. But supposing he doesn't come back, which I'm not all that optimistic that he's going to be, we are looking at a battle between Tyrod Taylor and the rookie Davis Mills. I know nothing about Mills. I really don't either. He's a third rounder. So, I mean, he's certainly not one of the cream of the crop, I would guess, you know, of the quarterback class coming in. But he's going against Tyrod Taylor. I'll tell you what. He, a good athlete, but. Tyrod always gets the short end of the stick, though. <laughs> like, comes around in Buffalo. Well, see you later. You know, goes to. Right. Goes to Cleveland. You're going to be our quarterback. Yeah, see you. See you later. Yeah. Okay, San Diego. Right. Hey. Let, You're our guy. Let, let's, see you. Let's jam this railroad spike in your lung. Yeah. Well, yeah. see you later. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. So, anyway, those those two battles are um, just, just, to, just to keep checking out. But Logistically, though, who's he throwing to? Who, Taylor? Yeah. Well, yeah, this year, yeah, that, talk about the short end of the stick. I don't even think they have Will Fuller this year. I don't think he's on no. there. Um, they have Kute, Kute. Or, yeah, I, uh, I'll look it up, but, I mean, that team. Yeah, it's a mess. And no foreseeable future that that's going to change. But. Defense is down, and the offense stinks. But let's look at Denver just to start with. We got Drew Locke versus Teddy Bridgewater. Probably not the most exciting pair to you know you think about for a battle, but one of them is going to have to 
to come out on top, uh, realistically, has got to be Locke, right? I'm pulling for Teddy. Well, of it, course, I am too. I, I'm all about that feel-good story. I don't feel that. And I don't think he played that badly with Carolina. He didn't. He really didn't. Um, I, I just don't think that was a good scheme fit for him. But but more than likely, it's going to end up being Drew Locke unless some MVP quarterback ends up going to Denver. Yeah. Which is one of the spots from one of the previous battles we mentioned that the incumbent wants to go to. Who would you rather have? <laughs> uh, I'm rooting for Teddy, but guess what? <laughs> yeah, I mean... I, I, I think I don't think they'll get Rodgers. Um, but quick throw back to Houston. Here's your why <laughs> your three wide receivers. Yeah, okay, Brendan Cooks. Oh yeah, Cooks. I forget. QT. Yeah, and Randall Cobb. Yeah, nothing exciting. That's for sure. But you, you got two one wide receiver that can catch a deep ball. One a great slot receiver. That's dare I say, past his prime. No, you never say that. <laughs> never question a man's prime. No, never. Unless it's unless it's being questioned by the guy with special prime. <laughs> Sorry, back to Denver. Sorry. Well, I you just um I wanted to bring something up because you brought something to mind that I want to take a look at very quickly. If we talked about it ahead of time, I could have had it up, but I wanted, just wanted to confirm. I mean, show prep. A who, lot of people that? don't realize that, uh, you know, Brandon Cooks was hurt last year, but the previous four years, he was over 1,000 yards receiving yep. every year. And, I mean, that is with three different teams as well. I never understood why he bounced so much. Yeah, I'm not sure either. I mean, if you look at – okay, let's look at 2018. He was with um, the Rams. Mm-hmm. He played 16 games, 100 – or excuse me, 80 receptions, 1,204 yards, five touchdowns. I'd take that. Next year – or the year before that, excuse me, 2017. He's with New England. 65 catches, 1,082 yards, seven touchdowns. I'll take that. The two years before that, he was with New Orleans. He had 78 and 84 catches, 1,173 yards and 1,138 yards, eight touchdowns and nine touchdowns. Take those two. I'll take it. Last year, he was over 1,000 yards. And the year before that, he was hurt a couple, and he didn't have a very good year. So, But really, out of the last six years, he's only had one year under 1,000 yards. That's amazing. He was, yeah. Like, so, for not being considered a number, a quote-unquote number one wide receiver? Yeah. But I'm not going to write off the talent wide receiver for poor quarterback play. That's on fair. On Houston. Yeah. Because I, I think that – They've certainly had the talent. But anyway, let's get back to what were we talking about? You were talking about Denver, Teddy oh, Bridgewater, yeah. and maybe a outsider coming in. Well, yeah, yeah, I don't think so. But I'm going <laughs> Drew Locke over Teddy Bridgewater, even though, like you, I'm rooting for Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. I, Drew Locke had all that uh, 
Flash coming out of college and Elway pumping him up and everything. And I'm starting. Think about it. A Hall of Fame quarterback since Peyton Manning has retired. Mm-hmm. A Hall of Fame quarterback, general manager, has not found a decent quarterback for that football team. I mean, they had Tim Tebow. Was that during Elway's tenure? I think it was. I think it was that, yeah, because it was right after Peyton. So it was Tebow, who's now a tight end. Yes. And- <laughs> well played. <laughs> And we've had Drew Locke. We've had I can't even remember yeah. the the bums at quarterback over the years. Didn't we have? Oh, wasn't Cutler his first pick as a GM? No, no, no I don't think so. Cutler was way back when Brandon Marshall was a young kid. Anyway, you look that up. I'm going to go to the next and probably. To me, the most intriguing battle because it is on an offense that can score like crazy. That's Jameis Winston against Taysom Hill on the Saints. It's got to be Winston, right? Has to be. It's got to be. He led the league in passing two years ago in yards. Granted, he was had 30 picks, but he's since gotten – LASIK surgery, and he says now he can actually see. Sure, he didn't take the job over from Drew Brees last year, but Drew Brees is gone. Taysom Hill is a nice piece to play with. Yeah. But he's not a franchise quarterback. No, as as much as uh, Peyton, Sean, wants to uh, make him one. And, I mean, the guy is an athletic freak. But as far as a elite number one NFL quarterback, right? No, no. That's it. I mean, you know, basically you are you're basically stuck running a wildcat, yeah. with Taysom Hill, because I don't know. He, it's he's a gadget guy. Yeah, he's not a franchise quarterback. This to me, Jameis Winston. I mean, I'm not even going to. I can't even argue about this one until Sean Payton comes out and says we're really having a battle here, and I'm thinking of going with Taysom Hill. Right. Yeah, it's Winston hands down. Now we just had Matt Nagy come out <laughs> and say that Andy Dalton is the number one guy. Okay. Justin Fields is number two, and that's the plan, and you have to trust the plan. If the plan is Andy Dalton gets killed week one by Aaron Donald instead of Justin Fields, I'm all for that plan. Yeah. But to say Andy Dalton is going to be your guy after going all in on, on this kid, on a team that, look, they weren't 0-16 last year. Right. They were on the precipice of the playoff. They didn't make the playoffs, right? No, no, I think they were like out by a game. Yeah, very close. So, I mean, you think Andy Dalton's going to lift them to the promised land? He's just feeding the media fodder. So, I I can appreciate this. I kind of look at it as the Alex Smith passing the torch to Mahomes. Let's face it, Andy Dalton, not a top-tier quarterback, but the dude could play. 
Like he knows football. He's a solid quarterback. And I feel like has a wealth of knowledge to pass on. I agree. And give, I hate seeing these rookie quarterbacks being thrust into it right away. But do you remember last year when Dak Prescott went down and everybody said, oh, let's not not throw in the towel right now. We've got Andy Dalton, an experienced veteran as a backup, arguably the best backup in the league. Yeah. They were abysmal. Yeah. I don't know if that was all on him. It's not all on him, obviously. But if you look at the career in Cincinnati – in his, shall I say, <laughs> prime. Yes, in his prime. <laughs> yes, not a special prime, no. but a prime. Um, he was okay. I think he was more than okay. He th- that convinced me. You you look at that Cincinnati team, and they had good players, and when uh, Chad Johnson was there. He was solid. And and maybe um my vision on him is clouded from fantasy football. Because he was always a solid fantasy football quarterback until his waning years. But um very much a serviceable quarterback and in the beginning they were always playoff contenders. And then it just started to drop off and the team just went to who? Yeah, to the perpetual land of suck. I he's never had over thirty three touchdowns in a year. Okay. Ever. And that was back in two thousand and thirteen with the Bengals when he passed five hundred and eighty six times. So a lot of checkdowns. A lot of slants. And a less than 62% completion rate. And under 4,300 yards. He has not hit over 4,293 yards in his career. He has not been over 4,000 yards in six years. And he passed 563 times that year. Okay, maybe he is that great. I'm just not convinced that you go all in. I, I agree with Bud. If you go, okay, you're going against Aaron Donald and Rams week one, maybe that's not the best scenario to right. throw a rookie in. Right. I, I don't have a problem with that. But to come out and say that is the plan for the year and you have to trust the plan. Now, we all know they talk at the corner of their mouths oh, before yeah. training camp, and they'll say anything to create a story. But if there's any shred of truth to this, you can't you can't tell me that Matt Nagy's serious. I, I, I'm, just, I'm just not going to believe it. Especially since I kind of get the impression he's on the hot seat. Like, to get that close to the playoffs, previous seasons, like, I don't know. And you're supposed to be an offensive guru. Right. So you draft Justin Fields, this offensive guru with the complicated, wonderful offensive schemes that Mitch Trubisky, with all his highly touted talent and moving up in the draft to take him, 
couldn't seem to produce in, all of a sudden Andy Dalton is going to be the leader of this high-octane offense. Yeah. Okay. Convince me. All right. You win that one. Thanks. (laughs) You know, the, the one battle you didn't bring up. I'm not done. Oh, okay. Go ahead. All right. The Patriots. Nope. Not that one, but. Cam Newton and Mac Jones. We me- just had some of the old um, media fodder by Bill Belichick today. Cam Newton's way ahead this year than he was at this time last year. Okay, great. <laughs> Congratulations. A year ago to this day, he hadn't even signed with the Patriots, so I'm sure he is farther along. One would think. And then he says he's no longer in catch-up mode. Okay, I believe that too. This guy is a former NFL MVP of the entire league. He's not some 21-year-old rookie. Of course he's not in catch-up. If he doesn't know how to study, (laughs) and, and, I mean, he's got the athleticism. Right. He's got the experience of reading defenses and so forth. If after a full year or more – going over the the Patriot playbook, the Patriot way, and all this other stuff. Of course he's not playing catch-up. God, I'd hope not. <laughs> if he, yeah, if he is, I mean, I know, Belichick talking like he's some 22-year-old kid. Yeah. And, and it makes no sense. So, to me... Cam Newton's obviously going to be the starter in 2021, at least to start with. Agree? I'm on the fence. You think? I mean, unless Mac Jones just totally lights out. So this this was going to be my another little sprinkle from Finkelstein. Ooh. Finkelstein sprinkle. There you go. There you go. A sprinklestein. That's what we'll call it. Sprinklestein. <laughs> Uh, Mac Jones is plus 1,000 for Rookie of the Year. Plus 1,000. Okay. I'd take that to the bank. The way that they're touting his his mini camps and everything, if he's not starting by week two, I would be shocked. But you'd have to wait till August and see what the line is then. I know that's why I'm saying get on it now. Because it's going to go up. Well, it probably will go up. Yeah. But, well, I mean, sorry, the odds will go down. I don't know. See, that's the thing. You just don't know. I mean, they can come out with all kind of preseason hype. And, you know, players can just be total. I'm not even going to say the player's a, a disaster, but you get a lot of false hype. Yeah. Going into the season and, oh, it's going to be a quarterback battle or it's going to be a running back battle. And it was it was a lot like that in Buffalo when we saw the the Travis Henrys and the C.J. Spillers and all oh, these yeah. kind of guys coming through. But it was always good old Fred Jackson that got about <laughs> half the carries. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And so, I mean, yeah, until maybe August, they say, okay, Max, our boy, I'm – it's it's hard to even consider that Cam Newton won't be starting the season. So you're you're in on Cam to I'll, start with, sure. And I'm in on Mac. Okay, we disagree. Now the one I don't know if this is the one you're thinking of uh, either. The Forty Niners. Nope, that's not Jimmy the one. G and Trey Lance. Yeah, 
That one actually, I think, is more the Alex Smith Mahomes situation. I think Jimmy G's Garoppolo can- is hardly an Alex Smith. Number one, he's still a young kid. Yeah. Albeit he's injured quite a bit, but he did take him to the Super Bowl a couple years ago. I'm not sure exactly where this is going to go. Um, they moved all the way up to number three to take this kid. And I don't know. Like I said, Garoppolo is a, a Super Bowl starter from two years ago. He was injured last year. That is the concern with me with this guy is just as much as he's hurt. Yeah, yeah, that's – it seems like every time you turn around, they, they start getting on a run with him, and then he just – injury bug, you know? This one here is – I am – feel very safe to say it's Garoppolo this year. Yeah. And then he probably – Depending on how the year's going, if they're, you know, mediocre, he hands reins over to Lance. If they're a playoff contender, great. But then I think they move on no matter what. Yeah, 100%. And I, I think John Lynch has actually come out and said that so far. Right. That they've had to sit down and everybody kind of knows where they're at. And, you know, to get into fantasy football – I'm thinking of taking a flyer on Jimmy G because this is his year to the the quote unquote contract year where right. it's either put up or shut up. In this case, put up or you're going to be holding a clipboard next year for somebody else, or not, no, or out of the league. Yeah, <laughs> or yeah. he could be starting somewhere. I mean, yeah. there's there's certainly if he has a good year, but they still want you know they they're highly invested in Trey Lance. He's got a rookie deal. We can say, you know, hey, we'll sell high, maybe get some picks for this kid, and they're still moving on with their guys, so who knows. Let's go uh, to your pick, uh, your battle that you wanted to talk about, then we better sell some coffee. Yeah, I mean, this is a hands-down easy one, but it's in Jacksonville. I mean, if if Menchu isn't starting week one, I I don't know what's wrong down there. Minshew? Yeah. He's not going to be starting. Oh, he has to. That. Why? Would, Why that, would he? That that schmuck that they drew, psh, get out of here. I would won one game I, last year. I would I would rather have Tabo back there than whoever but that he guy plays is. tight end. I mean, <laughs> you're joking, right? You don't think Menchu he's going to be rocking them jorts out there? And well, yeah. The, I mean, I, I do like that porn mustache. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. That '70s porn look. You know. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I yeah. mean, he's probably going to be a comeback player of the year. He's probably going to be league MVP at the very least. Yeah, they'll they'll, they'll create a new award, the the Menchu Mania Award. Yeah, I think they should. <laughs> hey, hey, we're going to take a break and we'll come back and um, not a whole lot left to talk about, but we got a few things. We're going to sell some coffee. Uh, pay attention, it's Dead Sled Coffee. Let's talk about our sponsor, Dead Sled Coffee. Dead Sled Coffee strives to create a culture of acceptance and respect no matter what your level of coffee knowledge is. They are distinguished coffee for the exceptional and unconventional. They offer amazing products that do not require your dictionary or your atlas to appreciate. Feel comfortable ordering their coffee and know that it is not a crime if you do not know where the beans came from or where it was processed. They have done all the work for you, having slurped and sniffed through endless cuppings so you can just sit back and enjoy your coffee experience. 
Not sure what to try? Well, try some of their new signature blends, the Robert England blend, the Kiss blend, and the Cypress Hill blend. Go to deadsledcoffee.com. Use the promo code DEADSLED15 and take 15% off your order. Deadsledcoffee.com. And, hey, tell them Fligger and Briggs sent you. All right, welcome back to Chaos and Disorder. You have Briggs and Finkelstein tonight, and it's been peaceful and quiet, I must say. And with that, I'm going to ruffle some feathers. Ooh. The quarterbacks that John Elway has drafted. Okay. Brock Osweiler. There we go. Caleb Haney. <laughs> All pro. Zach, I'm going to call him Dessert, but it's D-Y-S-E-R-T. I don't even remember him. Hall of Famer. Ryan Katz. Hall of Famer. Brian Renner. All pro. Trevor Simeon. All pro. Christian Ponder. Hall of Famer. Finkelstein does ponder. <laughs> Paxton Lynch. Good Lord. What a <laughs> mess of dreck. Good God. Chad Kelly. Yeah. And Case Keenum. Case Keenum. That was one I was trying to think of before. Probably the only one out of that whole bunch that was even worth anything. Christian Ponder had maybe a year in Minnesota, if I remember right, that was half decent. They also have Kevin Hogan in here, but I that they I don't think he was drafted. He was oh him and Flacco. The, that's the people that they brought in whilst Elway was there. Oh yeah, Joe Flacco was. I mean, knocking lights out then. <laughs> Have you heard of the new um, game show that was supposed to be on NBC called The Ultimate Slip and Slide? No, I haven't, but it sounds fantastic. Well, and I'm not even sure exactly what it is, but I think these people... They have like these obstacle courses with these slip and slide type of things, obstacle courses, okay. a lot of water and everything. Well, anyway, uh, um, NBC wanted to find out about its upcoming reality competition series, Ultimate Slip and Slide, on June 2nd, according to The Wrap. The network shut down production on an upcoming slip-and-slide-based series after up to 40 crew members contracted Giardia. Oh, you don't want to mess with that. Do you know what that is? I do. (laughs) Well, for those that don't, I really didn't until I read this. Mama Finkelstein had it once. (laughs) It's the outbreak of an an awful explosive diarrhea. And it actually left people collapsing on the set and being forced to run into porta potties. I can imagine. You're not running with that. <laughs> also, also known as Beaver Fever, <laughs> Giardia is usually contracted, oh my God, from getting fecal infested water in your mouth. So it seems like someone on the set was pooping their trunks on the show's 65-foot-tall slippery yellow slide, end quote. That thing was not yellow. Probably not when they got done. (laughs) The set was inspected for parasites after the outbreak, and on Thursday, Universal says additional testing revealed Giardia in the surrounding area. Apparently, they were going all over the place. It must have been very explosive. I would imagine. 
Universal also told the rap that the outbreak occurred seven weeks into shooting, only five days before rapping. Bobby Moynihan, Moynihan and Rod Funches are the hosts of Ultimate Slip and Slide. Boy, there will be a Monday Night Football in no time, <laughs> which was set to premiere on NBC on August 8th in a time slot directly following the Tokyo Olympics. Oh, the, the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. <laughs> yeah. Um, perhaps they were trying to hoodwink us into thinking that this, too, was part of the Olympics. <laughs> I don't know. So That's gross. So here's the other thing. With Giardia and what happened was there was an outbreak back home. And it can also come from carry-on dead animals in a water supply. So, but this is an NBC set. Right. Supposedly right. it's chlorinated water and controlled pools and hoses and all that stuff. Right. Okay. But in in the instance that happened back home, it, it was a local outbreak and when they looked into it there was a dead deer in the water supply. So, um understandable. This, this sounds more like Oh, I don't know. Giardia Odell Beckham Jr. was on set or something. <laughs> Allegedly. Yeah. yeah. But he was enjoying himself. <laughs> that was a throw that was a throwback. <laughs> that is gross. Yeah. There's no way around that Giardia. one. Giardia. Explosive diarrhea. That <laughs> that just conjures up all kinds of hideous images. It, it's also not just diarrhea. Like it, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of pretty of, much every orifice. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of what, um, you know, Flieger has oral giardia. <laughs> yes, he does. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, he does. And you know, so. Now I can just, you know, instead of using the old D word, I can just yeah. say, you know, Giardia. Yeah. And he won't know what it is. Nope. Because, I mean, he's not going to listen. No. He doesn't even watch movies. That's, that's true. I'm he's, still hoping to hear that he watched The Big Lebowski. Yeah, he said he didn't see that either, right? Well, he, he started watching it. It went to commercial. Therefore, it lost his attention. I see. So. How does he stay watching football? I I don't. He's got to just like when it's a commercial flip to the red zone or something like that. I think he's lying. He's probably like this thespian scholar. <laughs> <laughs> he's watching foreign films. And... Oh yeah, yeah. The you know the Sundance Festival and all mm. that kind of stuff. And... Yeah, absolutely. He, I bet you he goes there. Yeah. They, him and the missus go like in. That's person. probably where they're at now. They're probably at some film festival. They're not on the beach anywhere. No. Now, they're having a cultural study of film. <laughs> Historical films from the 1930s. Yes. I bet you he's a guest speaker. Could be. You know, you think you know someone. Yeah, I guess not. <laughs> you know, he may be over in Belarus at a film festival, for all we know. He, he, I mean, he is gone for a week. He very well could be. Maybe he'll. Tell, maybe we can get it out of him next week. I think that's our mission. Yeah, he'll, we're going to get him. He'll crack. say, "I had a Chardonnay or two. What of it?" But yeah. we know better. 
But in all actuality, he probably did have a Chardonnay. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about that. Pinky out. Yes. So- oh, yeah. Pinky out, of course. <laughs> but anyway, I think we better uh, sell some. Uh, you want to sell some Chop Shop? Yeah, let's sell some good sandwiches and some poutine. Poutine. Oh, poutine. poutine. I don't know why I call it poutine. I don't know. Because it pertains to... Never mind, we won't go down that road. But we'll throw it to the chop shop. We would like to take this opportunity to tell you about our sponsor and friends, the Chop Shop in Butler, Pennsylvania. The Chop Shop is leading the way in the western Pennsylvania area for good eats. With fresh menus, great specials, in-house made desserts, and the recently added iced tea, lemonade, and milkshake bar you're sure to find something to fulfill that craving or hankering, and even a little something extra for that sweet tooth. Yep, they even have gluten-free and vegetarian options as well. You know, between Facebook, Google, Yelp, and TripAdvisor, they average 4.7 out of 5, and that's over a 10-year span, so they are consistently killing it. You can check them out on Facebook, but also at chopshopbutler.com. Or do yourself a favor and visit them at 108 North Main Street, Butler, Pennsylvania. And tell them Flieger and Briggs sent you. You better believe you better tell Flieger and Briggs sent you. But uh, welcome back to Chaos and Disorder. Hey, you know what I'm going to do, Alejandro? What are you going to do? I showed you the little um, added decoration to the studio I brought in. Yes. I am going to add it to our decorations. I'm going to see if our observant host. The talent. No. <laughs> the observant film cultural expert, oh, yes. cultural film expert, will actually notice it. He's, I bet you he's got his own Siskel and Ebert type show. Could be. Hmm. Yeah. That was I, a good show. I used to watch that. This way back, early 80s. Um, cable was basically in its infancy. I even forget what the name of the show was called. I don't think I ever watched it, but I saw all the uh, iterations of satire of it. Did you know that before MTV, there was actually a music video show that was on cable TV? Really? It was called Pop Clips, and it was developed hmm. by the Monkees, Michael Nesmith. Really? Yes. Did you know that they are going to be playing in Greensburg? There's only two of them alive. Right. Uh, I think it's in August. And they don't even play, <laughs> really. Apparently they Well, yeah, they do now, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Michael Nesmith actually could play a little guitar early on, and then Mickey Dolan's learned how to play the drums, I guess. Yeah. And at least he can sing. And Michael Nesmith can sing, too, because he actually, in that pop clips, had a, had a few songs on that because, obviously, it was his show. That's really cool. I did not know that. Yeah. And that was back, um, you know, some of the very early ones that I can remember was, was Kim Carnes, like Betty Davis Eyes. Oh, yeah. The Buggles, you know, Video Killed a Radio Star. A uh, few other ones I can't remember. M, Computer Games. I remember the guy, it was a guy called M. It was uh, Computer Games was the name of the hmm. song, I remember. Yeah, it was it was interesting. Did you know that Video Killed the Radio Star was the first music video played on MTV? I did know that, yes. And there's your factoid of the day. Yes. And there was one video that was really, it was a group called Spider. 
It was like two girls and two guys. And I, I remember. I don't think I know them. I know. They're very hard to even <clears throat> find anything about them, but they actually had a video and actually a pretty good song. But anyway, we regress. We so, need to move on. So I have a question for you. Yes. Four. Four. Close. Um, I was thinking about that that us thing, that us open thing this weekend. Six. Six. Okay. And uh, I was, the U.S. Open. Okay. <laughs> I was thinking of... You know, going back to Augusta specifically, and what is your favorite sports venue that you've ever been to? Like something that you would Augusta. I can imagine that would be just amazing. Yeah, Oakmont's cool too. I've seen a lot more golf courses than. I mean, I've been to you know Forbes Field and Pittsburgh, Three Mm -hmm. Rivers and Heinz Field. And you know PNC Park, but not really no other pro sports arenas. I went to minor league baseball <laughs> games down south when I lived down there. But, but no. some of their stadiums were fantastic. Like I mean, I understand some of them are just like high school fields with metal bleachers, but mm-hmm. there's some really nice ones out there oh, too. Now there are. When I used to go to the Durham Bulls before oh. they got their new stadium. What that, a rattle trap that place was. That would be awesome to go see. Yeah. Like, I, I would love to see the Durham Bulls. Carolina Mudcats saw them down there. Um, when I lived in North Carolina, of course, they were the the Pirates up there. No. Yeah, I think they were the Pirates yes. minor league team. For a while. Yes. I saw the Carol. Is it Carolina Pelicans or Myrtle Beach Pelican? It It's the minor league team in Myrtle Beach. Great stadium. Great field. And I've never I been there. I've been to Myrtle Beach many times, never that, that stadium. But, um, no, I mean, I, it would have to be Augusta, Oakmont. Um, I've been to Seminole, but they've never had any uh, tournaments that I know of. It's just a, a cool, cool course. Um, Firestone's good. I heard Firestone's beautiful. Yeah, it is. I mean, but, I've driven by it, but yeah. obviously. Augusta's freaking gorgeous. So there's one, like, watching it on TV, it looks beautiful. Playing video games, <laughs> and it's beautiful. Like, legitimately, in real life, in person, has to be breathtaking. Yeah, it is. It's. I mean, did you ever see some of those little films, how they, um, during the Masters, how they start mowing the golf course? Mm-mm. At the end of like the the day, of course they mow the entire golf right. course and everything. The just for example, say the fairways. Okay. They're lined up with those triplex mowers. They look like they used to mow the greens with, or you know what I'm talking yep. about, right? Mm-hmm. They just line them up. Boom, one pass done, and there's a guy making the cleanup lap, and they're already going to the next one. Wow. Boom. Done. One pass done. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's just, they have more freaking superintendents and assistant superintendents that take like a week off vacation, week vacation from their jobs and go there and work their ass off for free. Wow. Just to say I worked on the Masters. Me, I'd just rather watch it for nothing. I, I, you know. I was going to say, did you go work no. there? No. Good Lord. But no. you were in attendance. Yes. And what, what do you – what did you take away from it? Who did you get to see? 
or was it just no, to go I've through seen, the course? I've seen so many people over the years, um, you know, Sawgrass, I've been there, the TPC. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I think it was the last year at the old Sawgrass course, the Tournament Players Club. Um, it, it, the tournament players championship. It was at Sawgrass before they went to that TBC with the Island Green and so right. forth. I think that was eighty. Let me let me think a minute. It may no. It was the first year at the new course. I believe it was eighty three. Ray Floyd beat Barry Jagel, and we were our jobs were they had like these the big thick white nylon ropes. That's what. We, you know, our our little tours that we had, we had the little nylon yellow right. rope, you know, but they had these really nice rope cords, you know, that kept the gallery in. Well, our job was, I was in school at the time, and we went up working for free, of course, <laughs> uh, um, was to take me and this other guy were to take rope down off the stakes. Well, I think it was on... 14 green one of the officials came up and said looks like we're going to have a playoff don't take any more rope down started on 15 and it went to 18 at that time Mm -hmm. okay cool so i had a a loop of this white rope over my shoulder okay and i was walking down with the cbs remote camera guy following ray floyd for the last four freaking holes (laughs) I mean, it was it was fantastic, and he ended up winning. So I mean, that was probably one of my favorite That's tournament awesome. memories is just following Ray Floyd for four holes as he won the. I think he won a playoff too, as a matter of fact. That's awesome. Yeah, it was fun. Wow, I, just going to Augusta is one thing, and getting to experience history like that too. That's that's awesome. Unfortunately, all I got is. I got to go to Yankee Stadium. There you go. And I can remember we, um, I want to say it was the subway, but it was above ground, got there and walked up and just walking up to it, My, you know, being from the Pittsburgh area, I like the Pirates. My dad was a Yankees fan growing up, so I was Yankees and Pirates. And just walking up and being young, I, I'm trying to remember, I was... 10 I think and I got goosebumps at 10 years old looking at the outside of Yankee Stadium we went in we or we walked in did our tickets and I remember this is the time like pirates still had three rivers right walked into the like you get through the gates walked in and just got punched in the face with the best smelling grass I have ever smelled in my life. <laughs> and the smell of the hot well, they probably smoke a lot of weed there. In <laughs> probably. But uh, I just rem- remember it so vividly and it was, it was amazing. Went and sat down, got to see um, Andre Dawson. It was his last season. It was his last game at Yankee stadium. Um, it, Despite all the concussions and everything, I can still smell the grass, still taste the hot dog, <laughs> still remember Big Hawk waving to the crowd with his helmet. It, it was just an amazing, an amazing day. And 
Hopefully I never forget that one. You won't. <laughs> you know, unless you get hit in the head with a baseball sometime. A couple more times, yeah. Yeah, a few more times. <laughs> but no, that's uh no, there are um you know, a lot of golf tournaments that I went to and, and been around a lot of you know, pros and so forth. And, you know, it, it's interesting. It was fun. Um cool. trying to think of something else that uh other than golf, but there's really not many yeah, nothing really that compares to some of the stuff that I've had in golf happen. So, um, yeah, I've been to a few baseball games and football games, but nothing exciting ever happened, you know. The only other thing, um, I got to see Calvin Johnson catch a touchdown at Heinz Field in a preseason game. I did see Willie Stargell hit a home run in Three Rivers. And if you ever been to Three Rivers, yes, the upper decks were the orange seats, mm-hmm. and then like those last four or five rows at the very top were bright yellow. Yes, I saw a baseball bounce off one of those yellow seats, and the thing was still rising. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. It was. I mean, it, he man, that guy could hit a ball, line shots. I mean, I've I've seen him hit probably. Yeah, probably only about four or five home runs in real life. I've seen mm-hmm. a million of them on TV, but so many line drive me just like boom and it's gone. I mean, not even you know they didn't worry about launch angle and all this stuff with stardom. <laughs> they were still going up when they hit something, right? Right. You know. Yeah, that's um, again my dad being a Yankees fan. I was raised to be a Mickey Mantle fan, and growing up, I uh, took to heart his saying. I walk up there every time trying to crush and destroy the ball. Yeah. And sometimes I strike out. Yep. Um, but hearing the stories of some of the balls that he hit, kind of the same thing, like it didn't even hit its peak and it's smashing something. Like, Yeah. Willie Stargell broke that, um, what was it called? At the vet. I forget what it was, but that – when they would have a home run or a touchdown, that cannon and the Minuteman guy mm-hmm. would come out and it would fire. Yeah. He broke that thing <laughs> with a line drive. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, not juiced balls. Uh, what's that? And not juiced balls. No, exactly. I do remember Mickey Mantle a little. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he was he had bad knees. And yeah. I think he retired like in 71. I think something like that. I was going to say, it wasn't long after uh, him and Maris's. Well, no, that was 61. That was 61. Because he ended up playing like first base. I don't think it was. Yeah, and he actually took Joe DiMaggio's place in the outfield. Oddly enough from. And was very fast. Till... In, his, in his young younger days. Until he stepped in that, uh, was it a drain or a sprinkler head? You know, that's, I can't remember, but yeah, I remember, yeah, I think it was a drain, but I'm not sure. And, um, that was before the days of when you blew your knee out, you could have. Yeah. Arthroscopic surgery. Yeah. No, I'm wrong. 68. He retired. 1951 to 1968. He played, um, 
536 home runs, 1,509 RBIs. He batted. Where's his batting average? Career. I don't even see it. Oh, yeah, there it is. 298 for a batting average. Career. Not bad. Nope, not bad at all. So, you got anything else? You said you had a surprise. I mean, the surprise, well, surprise was the... uh your favorite venue for sports, but, um, I mean, we, Flieger was supposed to call, but he must, he must legitimately, we've already, I mean, you can't pull yourself away from the con film festival. No. And and just to call into us. Yeah. He must be giving a really good talk right now. Did you ever see, and it was shown on, the twilight zone one time back the old twilight zone and the episode was called an incident at owl creek is that it was french oh it wasn't written like done by rod serling or anything like that but he had saw it at an international film fest which made me think of that okay and it was french but it was about the americans a guy in the american civil war oh not the one i was thinking of the one where it was the tank, and it was uh, like they ended up on a native reservation. Oh yeah, it was the it was the little bighorn. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, this was one where they were going to they were hanging this guy. Okay, and it just goes on from there. He's on the plank over a, over a creek with the noose around his neck, and it starts there. Huh. I'll have to check that one out. Yes, it's it's very interesting. I mean, it was something that probably, you know, Mr. Flieger and his in-depth intelligence and, and thoughtfulness about international film would probably like to delve into. You know, we're calling calling him out on all this, and he's just going to come back and roast us and call us boobs and rubes. <laughs> exactly. Meanwhile, which is our reward? We got it figured out. Yeah, we got it figured out. Yeah, we we got this, Flieger. We we know what you're really up to. Mm-hmm. We got you. Uh. We know your pen name now. <laughs> <laughs> well, sir, I think that's it. Thanks for joining us. This is Chaos and Disorder. This is Rick Briggs and Alejandro Finkelstein here tonight. This is U.S. Open week, so. Uh, Happy Father's Day this weekend to all you pappies out there. Sit back, drink a few, and uh, watch a U.S. Open and see if um, John Rahm can be the favorite or the old man, Mickelson, can actually complete his career slam. You rooting for it or not? Or don't you care? I don't know. Like, I feel like I should. But uh, I I'm, I just don't like Phil that much. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm fine if he doesn't. Doesn't bother me a bit. But uh, hey, until next week, take care. I'm gonna go out with a little something different. Actually, I think this was the surprise I was talking about. It's not pot roast and kisses, but. I guess I should have played Pot Roast and Kisses after the Chop Shop. Yeah. That would have been good. Did you ever see that video? Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
actually seen them live. Really? Amazing. What's it called? Like Reverend I somebody, and I can't, I never can remember the name of it. It is the Reverend Peyton's Big Damn Band. Yeah. I always get it mixed up with Reverend Horton. He, right. But you ever listen to uh, Born Again Floozies? Huh. I'll have to check them out. They've been, I, I know they have a couple songs that's pretty decent. Uh, they actually use jugs. Yeah. And stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, um, Reverend Peyton is, plays like a lot of the club shows around Pittsburgh. Okay. So, 20 bucks. Get a good show. He can play guitar. That he can. That he can. She plays a washboard. Yes. <laughs> and um, the drummer actually had a endorsement deal. I'm trying to remember who made the buckets, but he he actually was endorsed by a bucket company. No kidding. Because there's a couple of songs where he plays a plastic bucket. Cool. But well, hey, we'll see you later. Hasta luego.